For anyone meditating in the wilderness for the last few weeks or so, TVNZ Breakfast's new host resigned after 32 days in the job as Kamal Santa Maria. And since then, a flurry of stories have come out about his behaviour at both his former workplace, Al Jazeera, and at TVNZ. He's been accused of sending former colleagues lewd messages and acting inappropriately in the workplace. And many of these developments have been first reported by staff Simon Plum. So he broke the original story on Santa Maria being missing in action, and he's often been the first with new information. So he's been the main guy on this. But another news organisation that's obviously been covering the story is, of course, TVNZ. So yes. quite awkward. But they've been it's, running regular It's updates. awkward, but, you know, on the other hand, I sort of give them some credit for actually reporting on themselves. What do you think? Yeah, I would. I would like to give them some credit, especially to Kim Baker-Wilson. So he's had the unenviable task of reporting not just on a former colleague, but I think probably more difficult on the obfuscation and the deflections attempted by his bosses. So here's a snippet from how he reported the story first on Saturday. And Kim, what else are TVNZ bosses saying? We have asked for more information, both from Television New Zealand's Head of News and Current Affairs and also its Corporate Affairs Department, both declining to add anything further at this stage other than TVNZ saying that Kamal Santamaria is focusing on his family. That wasn't the end of it. He's done multiple reports. The following day he was back with another story upping the ante, upping the pressure on TVNZ's higher-ups. And that one led the 6pm bulletin and he highlighted the virtual radio silence he'd received from his bosses. He noted that he'd actually resent some of the questions he'd put the day before to TVNZ Chief Executive Simon Power, Head of News, Paul Urisic and Corporate Communications. And that was just in light of new information that had surfaced in the media that day from Simon Plum, revealing that Santa Maria had been the subject of a complaint from another TVNZ staff member. Uh, Baker Wilson asked them to reconsider their response to no avail. And he actually kind of, he revealed a little bit about how this has been putting a bit of pressure on One News and the sort of length they've been going to to keep the story independent and the difficulties that's been posing. So this is a clip of that. The newsroom is really different to Television New Zealand from the wider building Television New Zealand. We are operating at arm's length here. Today the newsroom has used a lawyer to be guided on our reporting of this. That is a lawyer outside of Television New Zealand where normally we would use our own in-house lawyers. Sounds like a a tricky relationship and arrangement there, um, Hayden. Unusual situation where you're using work cash to hire outside legal counsel to check the story that you're wanting to run about alleged misdeeds at your workplace. So unusual to put it mildly, journalism is one of the few jobs where that kind of thing's even theoretically possible and employees are meant to scrutinise the difficulties and failings of their bosses in public as part of the job. Having said that, it can still be a tough task and one that comes with some risks. And I think Baker Wilson deserves kudos for taking it on, as does Nicole Bremner, who reported the story last night. And uh, I, I, I do, I mean, just a small aside, not everyone at TVNZ initially did take quite the same direct approach. And this is how Santa Maria's co-hosts at Breakfast opened their show on Monday, referencing his departure a little bit more obliquely, I'd say. Right, just before we kick into things today, we want to acknowledge the changes your show has undergone this year. So today, we want you to know how grateful we are for each of you who choose to make us part of your lives, our loyal viewing whānau. So 
if I was watching that, and I wasn't because it's way too early for me, Hayden, I'd be thinking, <laughs> what's that about? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that possibly some viewers were actually probably quite cons- confused about it. I mean, it, it's understandable, right? These hosts, they do feel upset. They've been kept in the dark to an extent by their bosses. They're annoyed at how this has played out. The rest of that didn't actually mention Santa Maria's name though and I thought that was a little odd because as you say I mean people might not know what they're talking about and even if they did I do suspect that most viewers would have been less concerned about how the saga affected the breakfast show and sullied its you know good name and and its place in their living rooms and more about the harm that Santa Maria was doing to staff at TVNZ and Al Jazeera along with how the situation had been handled by TVNZ's bosses and I would note though that having settled that that breakfast has since tackled the issue head on and Jenny May Clarkson actually directed some questions to Deputy PM Grant Robertson about the saga this morning. There's been other stuff where this is there's been a TVNZ host that's that's left or been under pressure to leave and because of something that that host did I'm thinking here of Tony Veach or was that way off being? Back then Tony Beach was convicted of assaulting his ex-girlfriend eventually. There were reports that happened before that. And in those reports, Lisa Owen, who's now the host of RNZ's Checkpoint, obviously, but she really took the lead on that story for TVNZ. And she put the blowtorch on her bosses. She told viewers that TVNZ's head of news and current affairs, Anthony Flannery, had not responded to any of the written questions she put to him, sound familiar, or answered any of the repeated phone calls that she had made throughout the day. And she did stuff with her piece of camera, like blistering piece of camera, waving a piece of paper in front of her. She added that all she'd received is this bland statement from TVNZ Chief Executive Rick Ellis, uh, but no one had answered the questions of how long had TVNZ known about the incident, who knew about the incident, and as it turned out, TVNZ bosses had actually been told the incident, as it was, was merely a minor fracas. Of course, that was untrue. Uh, later, Rick Ellis was doorstopped, funnily enough, by the guy that Kamal Santa Maria replaced at breakfast, John Campbell, then acting for TV3, and he asked some of the same questions as Owen. So here's a clip of that. Why would you pay out $150,000? Why would you use the TVNZ lawyer? Why would you do any of this on the basis of a minor fracas? And why didn't your people try harder to find out what the minor fracas was? Well, John, at the time, uh, it just wasn't um, on the minds of the managers that the minor fracas was the issue here. And so they didn't. Do you think that history is repeating itself here a little bit? Hayden? I think it's repeating in the sense that, again, it's a newsroom bringing its resources to bear against its bosses, TVNZ once again, over the actions of a colleague. And uh, they seem to be intent on following the story and doing it well. I guess the other thing is that Santa Maria, Kamal Santa Maria, had a very long career at Al Jazeera. Then he comes back to New Zealand. He did come back, didn't he, to New Zealand? He's worked here before. And, And then after 30 days, he's gone. Maybe you still have the cultural cringe. You know, you've got to make it overseas before you really can make it here. Maybe we should be a bit prouder of the standard of our media, which is actually pretty good by global standards. The coverage is, you know, what I've been hearing is that there's quite a lot of tension inside the TVNZ newsroom at the moment. I don't know whether that's tension within itself or with tension with the rest of TVNZ. What do you make of it, Hayden? I, th- I mean, I think that that would be an understatement to put it to, to put it mildly. There is tension inside that newsroom for sure, and and a lot of those centre not just on 
Santa Maria himself, but on senior leadership, and especially the head of news and current affairs, Paul Urisic. And he's a former colleague of Santa Maria's from Al Jazeera. And it's been reported that people inside TVNZ have actually harbored concerns for some time about the recruitment process he ran when he brought the host on board for his short tenure. And those are actually shared by senior management. And an elite internal email, TVNZ's new chief executive, Simon Power, acknowledged potential problems with that hire. And he told stuff that he's bringing in staff that he's bringing an outside counsel to launch a review on whether the process behind it was appropriately robust. And in that email, Power told staff that if they needed to speak to him, he was available anytime. That may have come as something of a surprise to his own journalists, including Baker Wilson and Nicole Bremner, uh, who, who had spent days having their questions to him, either ignored or brushed off with perfunctory statements. Even yesterday, after he sent that email, Nicole Bremner was on TV saying that he'd declined an interview with her. So I'm not sure how open that door truly is. It's definitely not open to journalism. And, and how did management respond to the leaking of that email? Not and not particularly well, you'd have to say. So after that email was leaked to the Herald and stuff, TVNZ Story Production and Operations General Manager Andrew Fernie sent a furious email to staff telling them that he was embarrassed and frankly quite disgusted over the leak and that this was a time for them to be sticking together. And of course, Fernie's email was promptly leaked to the Herald and stuff. <laughs> and then... And then TVNZ staff replied, did reply alls to his email, saying that actually what was embarrassing and frankly disgusting was that people were still dealing with sexual harassment and, and a gender pay gap in 2022. And the staffer behind that reply all email said they would advocate for anyone who didn't feel comfortable talking to Simon Power HR or their new manager. That reply all got leaked. There's a lot of leaks going on. So what do you make of all this, Hayden? Is it really just, well, sometimes embarrassing things happen in media organisations that they have to report on? That just happens? What else can we take from this, Hayden? What is it safe to say, Hayden? One thing that I would say to say is, is that, technically speaking, uh, if your staff are leaking emails and you're furious about that, then the most effective way to get your email leaked is to tell them that you're furious about them leaking emails. I mean, our media is in reasonably good health that we are actually reporting on ourselves. I don't think that it's necessarily the case in every newsroom that they report their own scandals, but I think that it's good news that we are doing so, and I hope that they are robust in that investigation. I do think as well that this reveals some problems in the culture high up at TVNZ in the management. That email from Andrew Fernie is not exactly encouraging and he may have benefited from stepping back for a second before hitting send because if he'd done so he might have gained a bit of perspective, right? Like while he's furious about Simon Power's emails being leaked, his staff are clearly clearly furious and disappointed that someone who had been the subject of harassment complaints at his previous job had been hired through an apparently shoddy or inadequate process. And they are obviously, frankly, quite disgusted that he went on to be accused of inappropriate behaviour at their workplace, their workplace, their colleagues. And as annoying as it can be when emails are leaked, when all's said and done, the staff who are doing that leaking probably have more to be annoyed about than him or other managers do about any leak. Now, Hayden, in the three minutes we have left to us tonight, stuff has changed its colours that's right. It looks a little bit different. If you notice, gone are the rainbow colours in their place as the word stuff spelled out in parallel black lines set against a mauve background. That may just strike you as, you know, a minor aesthetic upgrade or downgrade depending on your taste. But according to Stuff's chief content officer, it's much more, in her words, 
It speaks to some of the fun and playfulness that defines stuff's origins and really does represent the bold spirit of the company today in 2022. Right. So, yeah, she also says that the rebrand comes with a commitment to high originality, high integrity journalism. It looks more spacious to me. I, I, I like it. I don't mind it. Some people really don't like it. I think that probably it doesn't convey all the information that she's saying it conveys there. No. Uh, but, <laughs> I, she I mean, they do say it's a little hyperbole there, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, a logo maybe doesn't paint quite as many words as a thousand. But I mean, I think they'll just be happy that the rebrand hasn't been a complete disaster. Some media rebrands have been absolute disasters, and this one's been okay. I mean, if you remember Tribune Publishing, the, the company that owns the Chicago Tribune, was roundly mocked as they rebranded as Tronk back in 2016. And then the tech columnist Casey Newton said the name sounded like a millennial falling down the stairs or can I play you? I've got time to play this John Oliver clip. You this do. Is how he put it. They have chosen to call themselves Tronk, which sounds like the noise an ejaculating elephant makes. <laughs> or, or more appropriately, the sound of a stack of print newspapers being thrown into a dumpster. That's John Oliver <laughs> on Tronk. Tribune Publishing went back to its old name in 2018. I do want to say, though, I was doing some research just last week for another story, and Stuff actually narrowly avoided a horrific branding move back when it was founded. I didn't know this, but in a column last year, its editor-in-chief, Patrick Crudson, said one of the names that was on the shortlist for Stuff, before it was called Stuff, was, quote, deep and wide. What what did you say Deep and wide. Instead of Stuff, they were going to be called deep and wide. Right. You know, Jordan, our, tell Jordan, our engineer, right. is is rolling around. <laughs> you can't hear him laughing, but if it he turns his mic on, was on the short, was you would hear Jordan line. hysterics. No matter what you think of the move and the parallel lines, it could have been worse. Yeah. You know, suddenly stuff makes a lot of sense. <laughs> if you don't like stuff, yeah, you should be counting your blessings for it at this point.